Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we are joined with Sarah Olivieri, and she is owner and nonprofit digital strategist at her agency called Pivot Ground. Uh, she's also a member of our U Academy program. Uh, she is the founder and heart behind her agency, and she leads her team of digital experts to help human service nonprofits increase capacity, deliver better programming, attract more funding, and make the world a better place. She has over 15 years of nonprofit leadership experience, 14 years as a web pro. Um, she co-founded the Open Center for Autism. She was a deputy director at Global and Regional Asperger Syndrome uh, Partnership. She's actually run three for-profit businesses as well as a nonprofit organization, uh, co-wrote a book within her space, uh, owned a media company, done a documentary on UFO sightings, uh, and uh, run a retail cafe and store. Welcome to the program, Sarah. Hi, thanks, Brent. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually did not know that you, uh, directed a, you, you and I've been working together for a long time, but I had no idea that you directed a documentary on UFO sightings. Um, and, and I'm just, you know, I need to get that shiny object out of the way so we can move on to a more meaningful conversation. Uh, what did you learn, uh, directing a documentary on UFOs? Like, is it, is it, is it the real deal or are, are you like still, is it, is the jury out? <laughs> well, um, I think you have to see it to believe it. Um, I have not seen UFOs myself, but I can tell you uh, it was a documentary, really a story about people and what, how that experience changed them. Um, for the most part, it seemed to change people for the better. And I was very surprised at the kind of people we met. And I continue to be surprised. Everybody who uh, hears that I made this documentary most people, I'd say 80 to 90% of people have a story to share with me about their own experience. Wow. So I'm in the minority. I don't have a UFO experience to share with you. 
<laughs> and neither do I. So <laughs> yes, we're in the minority apparently. Uh, so tell us, uh, tell us quickly about uh, Pivot Ground. Um, I know you, you mentioned that you focus on uh, human services nonprofits, but uh, paint us a picture of what your agency looks like. Sure. So um, we ha- are both like a business consulting agency for nonprofits and a digital marketing um, and a little broader than that digital services agency. Um, since our audience are agency owners, you know, our consulting piece is really helpful. Um, it helps us make our, give our clients the opportunity to make a bigger impact. And we started doing that when we found that, um, doing digital marketing alone with human service nonprofits was not as effective as it should have been because they weren't really set up as agencies or as organizations to take full advantage of the benefits of digital marketing. So now we're able to help them set up so that they can really grow as they start receiving great marketing. Um, And then most of our um, digital marketing services are done by this really great team of partner experts that we've assembled. And they're typically other agency owners themselves, and they deliver incredible, incredible services for our clients. Um, And it's really a pleasure to be able to work with uh, like a super team of experts. So I don't know if this is the right way to describe your setup. So you have your kind of core pivot ground team, and then you mentioned you have these partner experts. So it's a bit of a decentralized model in that you have uh, other, you know, you aren't doing 100% of the work you're billing to your clients. Internally, you have these other companies that you have, you know, you're leveraging for some of these specialized services. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly it. What what brought you to uh, use that model versus having your own team? And maybe if you can give us some examples of what those services might look like. Yeah. So originally, we were focused mostly on building websites. Uh, we were our own team. I was a solopreneur, and then I had a small team. Um, I shifted to an agency model and joined the Uguru's um, bootcamp program when I knew I needed to shift to an agency model because I'd taken on a very large project that involved some advanced coding things that I did not know, um, but I knew that I had the planning skills and organizational skills for that project. Um, But really, the consulting piece grew out of customer demand. And quickly, like for me, you know, you talk about discovering your superpower, like that was my superpower. I was offering tremendous value. So that became a really strong point. And at that point, you know, nobody can do everything. So we started finding partners who could really do more. Um, So we are now able to offer a lot of different services um, from um, deep, deep, intentional um, marketing research uh, geared to support SEO work. Um, We do content writing for our clients. We do social media uh, strategy advisement as well as complete social media management, um, full branding and design services. And that might start to sound like like we're doing a ton, um, but because we've really segmented that our core business is consulting and none of our clients get any of that other stuff. 
um, if they're not consulting with us. And we don't hide that our expert partners are their own agencies. Um, and we get to work with the owners of those agencies. Um, so they really, they manage themselves. Um, if we were just kind of hiring um, a bunch of contractors who were individuals or maybe not, um, they weren't set up to handle this kind of work uh, and manage it themselves, it would be totally overwhelming. Um, but because they're really self-sufficient um, experts in their field and agency owners themselves, it works quite well. How, you mentioned that you disclose this uh, to your clients, or you don't hide it, rather, is what you said. Uh, how I know a lot of people, when they're thinking about bringing in other people, uh, you know, there's white label agencies out there, and there's kind of this song and dance around trying to keep it all under one brand and not disclose that you're bringing in outside help. I'm not sure why people have that, uh, that, that, you know, uh, approach to things. I mean, I know when I was running my agency, we would do that occasionally, bring in white label companies and try to act as if they're part of our core team. Uh, but you have chosen to not do that and to disclose that you have these outside partners. How do your clients respond to that? Um, they tend to respond pretty well. The only issue that ever comes up is they're usually initially confused. They're like, is this going to cost me more? And is everybody going to be sending me a separate bill? Um, all the billing happens through us and actually it saves them money. Um, so once we've cleared those things up, um, they respond very well. In fact, I leverage it as an advantage because they have the opportunity um, to work with experts, people who probably wouldn't work with them otherwise if they weren't working with them through us. Mm. And I, I, I don't run into your model in this business uh, very often. So I find that that's a very fascinating uh, setup. And I think that um, uh, I know a lot of people out there might have fears or concerns about bringing in third parties. So it's it's cool to hear your story about how you do that. And it's a, it's an asset, not a, not a liability. Absolutely. One of the reasons we uh, I asked you to be on this show was we were having a conversation in our U Academy Facebook group, and uh, this whole idea of should I get a business partner came up, uh, and one of our members had asked that kind of he felt a little bit isolated and lonely and thought oh man all my all my problems would be solved if only I had a business partner, uh, and I, I know that that's a thought that goes through a lot of solopreneur and when I say solopreneur you might have other team members but maybe you're the only founding entrepreneur uh, in the business and you know people chimed in with all sorts of different perspectives. Uh, I found that you had a very interesting perspective that was founded in some real world experience. Uh, Sarah, can you, can you talk a little bit about your response to that post on partnerships and, um, and talk about how you've approached this in, in your own business? Sure. You know, I think you really, you really said it that people are often attracted to taking on a business partner because they feel lonely um, and so I kind of have two answers to this question. One side of the answer is really about there, there's a great way that you can build a really strong and supportive team um, from that team that you have working with you uh, so that you aren't lonely. And I'm a real advocate of transparency. It's one of our core values at Pivot Ground. Um, I tell everybody who, even when we're interviewing somebody to work with them, that we are transparent. We're transparent about clients coming in. 
We are transparent about money. Um, my super team of experts, they don't seem to care, but they basically all know what the other ones are charging. It's not a secret. Um, we really are transparent about everything, and I encourage my clients to be the same. Um, and so I can go a little more into that, but so so half of the answer is you don't have to be lonely and you don't need a partner. <laughs> um, that's not the path to, to um, having company in the leadership role. But I think the other answer that maybe I didn't go into in that post as much too is about like why have a partner? Um, you know, I think having a business partner often means that you have um, – that you're giving up a certain level of control in your business, that somebody else wants a certain level of control. And one of the main reasons why somebody might might want that and why you might do that is if you needed a lot of money and you couldn't get a loan because borrowing money is less expensive than giving away shares of your company generally. Um, but that might be your only way of getting money and you, know, you need $50,000 or whatever it is and that person will trade you essentially $50,000 for some control in your company. Um, although some investors, if your company really looks great, they don't even want that much control. They just want a return on their investment. Um, so there's that angle. Um, another reason might be, you know, if they have something like a proprietary idea um, that you want and they want to be your partner. Um, but I think, you know, most people, you know, you said the word solopreneur um, before. Most people who are solopreneurs or, or um, entrepreneurs with kind of um, maybe boutique style businesses, they want that lifestyle business, right? They want, um, they want to have kind of a dream salary or a salary that keeps them comfortable. And, and it's, when I say salary, I mean, whatever they take home at the end of the year or by the end of the year, they want to have um, autonomy in whatever they do in their day. They want flexibility. They want to feel that they're in control of their own lives. Um, and they want when they're working to be doing work that uh, is really meaningful to them. Um, and those three things you can offer to people without making them a partner. And in generally, they're not looking to um, have more control over the company as a whole, as long as they have autonomy over their own role. Now, you currently don't have a partner at Pivot Ground. Uh, was it always that case or have you had business partners either in this business or other businesses that kind of helped you? formulate your opinion or your worldview around this, uh, this topic? Sure. Um, I have had business partners. Um, actually the first time I had a real business partner, um, was when I, I was involved with starting a media company. I didn't actually want to be an owner or a partner. Um, three other people were starting this company and they needed some of my help. So I started helping, um, and before I knew it, <laughs> I was a part owner, and before I knew it, one of the partners bailed right away, so this is definitely not for me. Um, and I think that was exactly you know, the wrong kind of scenario, right? So you had people, none of whom had that much money to start a business, but all wanted to start the same kind of business, and were like, well, if we all donate time, invest our time into the business together, we'll all get something out. Um, that became really tricky if you're talking about investing time 
And then you're looking at like how, what percentage of the company each person really deserves. Nobody invests the exact same amount of time. And there's usually some other stuff that people are investing, some of their own money. It became very difficult to track. And in the end, um, there was one person who really didn't hold up their end of the bargain and they became a drag on the company. And eventually, actually, that person made a huge, huge mistake. Um, and the other partner and I basically had to tell that person, like, you have to like resign, you know, get rid of, of your ownership in this company. We made the case where, um, what they had invested was like a, a minuscule percentage in comparison to what, um, me and the other partner had invested. It was very uncomfortable. Um, but ultimately we didn't gain anything ever from having been partners. In, in in general, or just with this one one of the four partners. In general, I don't think you know none of us. Yeah, I think we would have been much better off from the beginning if one person said, "This is my dream. I'm going to own this company. Will you guys all help me grow it?" Um, we probably would have been in a much stronger position. I think having partners can tend to dilute your ability to all go in one direction. Um, you might have a really great business partner who you're synced up with. And I think that those kind of teams do form. You clearly have a business partner who you've had for a really long time, right? Uh, yeah, we're, I think, uh, I think this year is uh, 20, 20 years. We're, we're, we're going close to that. I mean, we're, we're now like measuring the partnership in like, uh, in decade, uh, anniversaries, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been, been a good deal of time. So I would ask you like overall, has your partnership help you stay more focused um, in the directions of growth for you? Or has it kind of pulled you in multiple directions? It's a good, I mean, it's definitely a good question. I, uh, I think that we are, uh, have been very complementary in the skill sets that we bring to the table and also the skill sets that each one of us does not have. So I think that has been very helpful in our partnership. Uh, you kind of brought this, um, you know, investing time or, or sweat equity to the table and, and I think they're, you know, if I look over the last two decades, we both have probably ebbed and flowed depending on what's going on in our lives and personal lives and, you know, other things like that. Like maybe one of us is, you know, more energized for a certain quarter than the other and then the other and then it flips and there's been this kind of yin yang kind of thing going on. I mean, when we're talking about 20 years, it's a, it's a pretty big timeline. Uh, so, so there's that part of it. I think for us, it's always been about that opposing set of skills that have been, that have helped us create a better business uh, together than we could have on our own. That there's, mm -hmm. you know, I have blind spots and he has blind spots. And I think together we kind of usually uncover that kind of stuff and approach problems from different angles. And I think from that perspective, uh, you know, there's a good reason that we've been business partners for that long and have uh, maintained successful companies over that period of time. Uh, that being said, I have uh, been privy to many other entrepreneurs' stories over the last 20 years where partnerships were involved in. And, uh, you know, it's it's a crapshoot in terms of, you know, your story, four partners, which is uh, uh, kind of freaks me out because one partnership, one partner in the business is, is a lot of work to maintain, let alone if I had uh, two other partners that I had to think about uh, in my day. I mean, it might be uh, that that might overwhelm me. And I know several other agency owners that have been in that situation with three, four and five partners where uh, I'm not going to say always, but almost all of the stories I've heard they usually do not end well 
for all partners. Yeah. Usually there's some point where there's a break-off moment. Uh, and, and we've been fortunate to not have have that moment. I mean, we've definitely had conflict. I mean, there's definitely times where, uh, you know, we disagree about the vision. I think the goal there is that you can disagree, but once you, uh, you know, once the clock strikes midnight on your strategic planning, you need to, you know, get in line and, and, and both work towards the same written plan. Otherwise, then, you know, it creates fissures. And, and, and that's never good, right? That's usually where the situation you're talking about, where, you know, somebody thinks the business should go left, everybody else thinks it should go right. And, you know, they don't get in alignment with that. So you have one person that's literally like on the boat paddling in the opposite direction. And we can all imagine how that works. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I'd love to go into a little bit about like, what is this solution um, where you don't have to feel lonely owning your business? Because I think that's the real issue. And yeah. like partnerships is kind of what people think is the solution to that problem. But I think that's the real core problem for a lot of people is they end up feeling lonely as entrepreneurs. I think that's probably why we have such a strong community at YouGurus is it's where, you know, owners talk to owners and they feel less lonely, but at a certain, ex at some time or other, you have the very specific business challenges in your business and you don't want to feel like you're you're the only one on the line for solving those. And, and I, I mean, I I engage heavily with a couple of, or at least one of your other team members, your leadership team members, uh, and it does not seem like you're in that type of situation. So, yeah, Sarah, I mean, talk talk more about that. Sure. Well, I think um, you know you mentioned something with your partner just now, like written strategy. Writing it down is so important. So I think. Having a clear strategy, knowing where we're all trying to go and that that's all the same place um, is really important. And our accountability chart, we lean heavily on our accountability chart. It changes. You know, our business is still growing. We went through a lot of growth this past year and the seats that were needed that needed to exist to make our company work the way we wanted to had to change. But we always have those seats written out. We always have names in those seats. We always have a description about what that seat is accountable for. Um, and we get a lot of feedback in my core team. Um, there's uh, four of us that I'd say are kind of in a leadership position at Pivot Ground. We know where we sit on that accountability chart. We are really comfortable with what's expected of us. Um, so I think that's one thing. Another thing is, um, you know, people will invest their time. Uh, with you, meaning they will give you sweat equity into your company, even without being an owner for two, with two uh, conditions. One is that they have that sense of autonomy and having the, having an open discussion about what the seats need to be and what seats people want to be sitting in and their path to getting into sitting just the seat they want to be in that gives them a ton of autonomy. Um, we also have, um, for people who are on salary, we have an like an unlimited vacation policy. It's really, we've clearly defined the work that needs to get done. And that's your job is to get the work done. Other than that, you know, it's not too important when you do it. Um, some people work very quickly. Some people work slowly. Um, that's a personal choice. And then the other pieces, you can share profits with anybody in your company. They don't have to be a partner to share profits. And so we actually have... Um, uh, three people total, including myself, um, whose uh, salaries are based on a percentage of profits. Um, and I think there are a couple ways to do this. I get asked about this a lot. Um, 
our company is still kind of in a volatile state. And so we actually base our salaries 100% on profits. Um, you can also have like a base salary that you give people and then um, bonuses or a bonus to that based on profit sharing. There's some different ways of doing it. You can do it quarterly. Um, we have a system where we're actually looking at profits from two months prior. That way there's no surprises for anybody. Um, they know basically what they're going to be getting paid, um, you know, two months in advance. And since we're transparent, if anybody's having an issue, we support each other. You know, like if we have a bad month um, and that's going to impact people's salaries, uh, our team, we speak up. We say like, I really can't handle having a bad month <laughs> next month. And whenever that's happened, um, we've all figured out a way uh, to support that person um, and, and find a solution. And I just want to go back to, to something. I'm, I'm still processing it. So 100% of your core, your, your leadership team at least, is based on profits, 100% of their pay, even though they're not owners. So, uh, yep. I mean, can you kind of talk, how, how does that split happen? I mean, it sounds like you're transparent as a team. I'm not sure how, how transparent you're willing to be on the podcast, but uh, I mean, that to me seems like maybe depending on how steady your business is, that that, that income would fluctuate highly for, for team members. Yeah. So there are a few things that go into making it work. Once I figured it out, like the actual process we use is simple, but it took me like 10 years to create, you know, come up with the simple process of thinking about how do we share profits? Um, so for us, um, like I said, we, so if we're paying, we pay a monthly payroll, um, or if you're, if it's, you're paying as getting paid as a contractor, it's still, you know, we consider the total cost of, of pay, um, whether you're salary or contractor. And then we're looking at, um, the reconciled months, two months prior, we actually bill all of our services in advance of service delivery. So we know like each month, you know, it's kind of, there, there are no surprises. Once the month is reconciled, um, the income is there and the expenses are there. Uh, I had a question the other day from another agency owner who was asking me about this and said, well, you know, what do we do when we take in the payment for a very large project, but then we have to deliver that project over a series of six months? Um, and one way to do that is either, you know, you can look at all your months and kind of take an average. So you can always look at the 12 months prior and then divide by 12. So you add up 12 months and then you divide by 12 and then you kind of have an even number. Or you can do what a good bookkeeper should know how to do for you if you're not a money person is accrue your income and expenses. So if you're taking in like, you know, a $50,000 check or a $30,000 check, but then that represents six months worth of work, you can actually have that income in your bookkeeping kind of divided up over those six months. Um, so it is important that you have a certain, um, you know, that a month's income represents like a month's work, if you will. Um, so that is a key element as far as how you do your bookkeeping. Um, but once you have that piece down, um, the way we do it is we basically, everybody has their dream salary. We all know what we want to make and what works for our lives. And that's balanced with how much we want to work. Um, not everybody wants to work five days a week or, or full-time. A lot of people want like kind of less hours. Um, and so we set a maximum that anybody can make in a certain month. Uh, and that's based on their kind of dream annual salary. So if we do really, really well, um, 
the company gets the extra profits, um, not those employees who are profit sharing. Um, and if we do really poorly, um, then basically nobody's getting paid. Um, that's it. That is the reality. But everybody has say into what our expenses are. Um, and everyone who's on that plan is in some way in control of our, of our profitability, um, our ability to bring in revenue and, um, and what our expenses are. And it works. They're happy. Do you think that this type of incentive plan for you has, uh, helped, you know, I mean, when I think of, of a reason to do this, of giving an employee uh, profit share is that, you, you know, the, the core idea is that they're more incentivized to maybe put in more or think smarter or, you know, take more ownership in the business. Uh, can you tell us that there's been a, you know, I don't know if you can objectively measure this, but that this structure has worked better for you as an agency in terms of income and growth potential? Um. Yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to not feeling lonely, all of my leadership team, they all have the same information about the company as I do, and they all have skin in the game. Um, so if everybody is highly motivated to make the best decision for the company, which ultimately is the best decision for all of us. Um, so it really helps me get great leadership from my leaders, um, great advice. Um, so on that aspect, I think that that's really, really important. Um, we all benefit and we all hurt, um, from our mistakes, but we all buy into our, our decisions. Like, it's not like we typically don't override decisions. If there's a draw or something, you know, I'll be like, I know we need to go this way. And my team trusts me as a leader. Um, but generally, we are all agreeing that we've figured out between the three of us or four of us that um, that we've created the best that we can create and that we will reap the rewards or um, suffer the benefits. Also, um, I have had the experience with a past company of um, not having enough money to pay an employee and nothing damages a relationship um, or hurts a person more than having the surprise of not getting their paycheck on time or not getting their paycheck in full or not getting their paycheck at all. I think that is one of the most damaging things um, you can do for, for an employee really giving you their all. And it also really hurts a person. As someone who's, um, who has been, who's been poor, um, who struggled to get by, um, I was a single mom for a while, moving around a lot. It was a very hard time. Um, have counting on every penny that was coming in to have some money all of a sudden not show up um, really, really hurt. Like no food the next day or not sure how I'm going to pay the electricity hurt. Um, that damages people. So by having, um, I never have to be in that situation um, with the people who work with me. They all know um, if it's going to be bad. We're all there to support each other, um, but it is never a surprise. And I think that's really important. Has there been any unexpected downside or challenges through this process? I mean, how you run your agency, just, just from the outside looking in, is a tad unconventional. Uh, you know, when you talk about, uh, you know, 100% profit share based, totally transparent, open book kind of policy, 
um, you know, team members participating in basically the vision creation and leadership decisions of the business. Uh, all are, I think, really good things. And, and, and it's really impressive to hear how you've done this. But, um, you know, I have to wonder, like, this is a alternative style of running an agency. Uh, has, has there been anything that has been like a huge challenge? I'm just thinking from our listener, if they're thinking like, oh, hey, maybe I'll try some of this. Uh, any like road bumps or pitfalls that maybe they could avoid? Um, really? No. I mean, the only challenge I would have if, um, if one of my team members started to not be a good fit, um, that would still be a very uncomfortable situation. Although we would not have the challenge of when two partners separate, um, it would probably be that, that one of the team members just started to veer off being in alignment, but because we all try to get in alignment, you know, that's not going to be like a sudden break probably. Um, and the structure of the company will stay intact. Um, so really it has been extremely, extremely positive. Um, it's probably helpful. Like it wouldn't work if I wasn't completely upfront with people from the beginning. Um, so I've probably helped self-select like anybody who, first of all, anybody who wants a lot of control is probably not a good team member. Um, I am not a controlling leader. I think a lot of people do struggle with being micromanagers in their business. That is not me. I am a natural delegator. Um, so that is probably a strength that I have that if that's not your strength, you're going to have to watch out for that. Um, but really, I have not, you know, no regrets, no issues have come up around this. Um, the more I share, the stronger uh, that we have been as an agency and our growth has improved. That's um, been good. Wow. I think you've got a really good thing going, Sarah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad this is working well for Pivot Ground. I hope that other agency owners that have listened to this show uh, today have thought about, uh, maybe rethought about whether they want a business partner or not, or have been able to look at this issue through a different lens of maybe a business partner is not the right solution to feeling alone in the business, that there are other ways to solve that problem, whether through um, giving team members more leadership control, more uh, autonomy and more uh, upside for, for earning potential uh, and help them kind of do meaningful work that you might be able to accomplish that by, uh, by avoiding the partnership uh, agreements and things like that and the, the, the definite pitfalls that that might entail. Uh, and also by joining communities uh, very much like our own. I, I appreciate you mentioning that uh, in today's program, that that's helped support you and help you grow as an agency owner yourself. So that's really cool. Absolutely. Uh, Sarah, are you ready for our lightning round? Ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sarah, what is the best advice you've ever received? Oh, man. I've received a lot of good advice, but I think the best advice and the hard thing about advice is you have to follow good advice. Good advice is easy to find. Following it is really hard. So that that is the advice is is is, is actually. Is <laughs> yeah. I was like I was like waiting for it, but I was like wait a minute. I think she just gave you the advice, right? It's like follow the recipe first, right? We always say that in program. It's like we'll give somebody a recipe for like, hey, here's how you should do sales, and then they're like, hmm, yeah. 
I only want to do a little bit of that, right? You're like, well, you can't make pancakes with just flour. So um, <laughs> I like that advice. Uh, which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Um, probably meditation. I don't always do it, but whenever I start to feel overwhelmed as a business owner, um, I meditate even just for a few minutes in the morning and that really clears my head. Is there any, uh, do you use a specific method with that? I just, I know a lot of people have brought up meditation on this program. So I think that, it, you know, if there's an approach or a, a method you use, that'd be really interesting to understand. Um, yeah, the no excuses method. I started meditating um, when I was a single mom with my son at home in the mornings. He'd literally sit in my lap and watch cartoons while I meditated. Um, <laughs> so we're talking like 10 minutes, right? No pressure for really long meditation. Just sit still, tune out, practice tuning out. It's not about you haven't succeeded at meditation because you've tuned out. Meditation is like the practice of tuning out. It's an exercise in, um, you know, letting your mind be at ease, I think. Um, so just remembering that you just do it, even if you do it for two minutes in the middle of the day, um, I think it really helps. It, it turns down, whenever you get that inner dialogue going, meditation helps you turn that dialogue down so you can focus on what you need to. I think I think you just gave one of my favorite uh, explanations why why you should meditate and and how uh, it's it's not about finding some peaceful serene place that you can do that anywhere. So that's really cool. Uh, is there an internet resource or a tool that you can share with our listeners or app that you use in our business that you think that they would find valuable? Tools, we love tools. Um, a, a digital tool I use um, Close C L O Z E, which does both my CRM -y stuff and all my email. I use that for. Um, that really helps me. It saves me a lot of time. And non-digital, um, I switched to a stand-up sit-down desk and bought a fantastic um, mat that has like bumps and stuff, and that has made a huge difference on my life. Like. I just, my body feels great. I sit up, I, I sit down, I get myself a foot massage while I'm working. Um, I stretch, I move around. So for anybody who works at a computer, um, standing desks are great, but it's all about the mat. I will look into that mat. Thank you for the recommendation. <laughs> uh, what book would you recommend and why? Well, based on today's topic, um, I would recommend if you're thinking like maybe this transparency thing is for me, but I'm totally terrified and I'm not 100% sure it's going to work, read The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. Nice. I think it's, it's um, that might have been the first time that was referred to on our program. I, I'd have to go back through our show notes and check it out, but uh, definitely a great recommendation. So if that stuff about transparency and the sharing of money and numbers with your team uh, interested you at all, then um, definitely check out that read. Uh, we'll link out to that book as well as the tools um, in the show notes today, as well as key takeaways from the things that Sarah talked about, about how she runs her agency, about partnerships, uh, some really good quotes and, and things like that. So if you guys are interested in some highlights from today's show, make sure you check that out at yougurus.com slash podcast. Uh, Sarah, how can our uh, audience find out more about you? Um, you can go to pivotground.com or feel free to email me, sarah at pivotground.com. 
Very good. Well, Sarah, thank you for taking the time to share with our listeners how you run your agency. And I think, uh, I hope they learned lots in helping them to think about partnerships and how to grow a great leadership team. And uh, this has definitely been very informative. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Brent. And that is our episode for this week of the Digital Agency Show. Tune in each and every week for more great content to help you grow your digital agency. Uh, to empower you to achieve the freedom you want in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app, when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call, where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to YouGurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to YouGurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show. 